John chapter 6, verse 5. You know, we can, we can find encouragement in many different things. I was just thinking about, uh, I was getting gas, uh, was it maybe last night? Uh, and I like going to that Shell station over there. And right across the street from the Shell station is where the lion's den has been for many, many years. And they just tore it down. It's totally, there's no building there or nothing. Yeah, I looked at that and I said, well, praise God. Now, I'm, now someone will say, well, they're going to build one in a different place. But I tell you, a lot of prayers have went up that that thing would close and it's closed. You know, so, uh, you know, God, uh, I, I'm just glad even the little things he uh, even, you know, what was even the axe head that fell into the water? You know, the Lord, uh, the Lord made that float again because he said it was borrowed, you know, and it, it uh, bothered the guy that he couldn't return it, who he borrowed from. You know, aren't you glad that the Lord hears our prayers? I'm just glad. Uh, but I want to look tonight at a miracle, very familiar. In fact, this is the only, I didn't even realize this till tonight, and I, I don't know how I missed it, but this feeding the 5,000 is the only miracle of Jesus Christ that's in every gospel book. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I didn't realize there are no other. Now, when you get to the cross, you know, it's covered in all, all four, but this is the only miracle that you see, uh, as best as I can tell, that's in all four. Uh, so you know what that means. If it's in all four, it's really important. And I, I want to look at it. I know uh, you've probably heard a lot of messages on it. You might have even taught things yourself, uh, but I want to take one more look into God's Word. John chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 5. It it's, uh, starts at the beginning of the chapter but uh, we'll pick it up in verse 5. So John 6, 5, when Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Uh, when they were filled, he saith unto the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that they that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again and to a mountain himself alone. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I pray that you would use me. Help me to preach. Open up our ears and our hearts. And uh, Lord, allow the Spirit to teach us tonight. And Lord, I pray uh, that we would be challenged and encouraged. Draw us closer to you. And Lord, I thank you that you uh, supply our needs. I'm glad that you are the, uh, the one that makes a way when it seems impossible. And Lord, we're so thankful that we're surrounded by so many examples of answered prayer tonight. Lord, we ask these things in your name and amen.
So this miracle uh, follows uh, when right after when Jesus heard about the death of John the Baptist, he gets into a boat. He goes across the Sea of Galilee to the Bethsaida area uh, and Matthew. So again, it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Matthew tells us that he departed. He did this so he could be alone. But a great crowd followed him out of the cities. And then uh, verse two above the in John six, above where we read, it says that they followed Jesus because they saw him heal the disease. So they they saw him healing and they liked what they saw and they were following Jesus because of that. Matthew says he went to a desert place. And he had compassion on them, the crowd, and he healed their sick. So he healed those sick that came uh, uh, there around him. Mark tells us that Jesus began to teach the crowd. And Luke tells us what he taught. He, he was teaching on the kingdom of God. So this is this kind of sets the scene. And then Matthew and Luke says, now by this time, it's evening. So Jesus had been teaching them probably multiple hours that day until it was evening time. And then we get to the problem of the story. That's where, you know, where we pick it up uh, and, and a very familiar story. But you hear me say many times, the more familiar the story is, the more we got to slow down and we got to look at it uh, and see what uh, a lot of times what the Lord is trying to show us. That's easy to kind of gloss over uh, when it's a familiar story. So Jesus asks Philip a question in verse five and look at what he says. Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? So he is asking, where uh, can we go to buy dinner for everybody that's here? You know, do you know a place cheap enough? Do you know a place open? You know, it's a question like that. And you realize this is almost a loaded question from Jesus because he didn't ask this. He uh, it would have been a more neutral question if he asked Philip, how are we going to feed everybody? He didn't ask that. He said, where are we going to go to buy bread to feed everyone? Do you see that? He's asking, where are we going to buy the food for everyone? And then verse nine or verse six tells us that Jesus did this to prove Philip or to test him. Uh, but unlike when we uh, uh, test one another or when we're given a test, whether at school or at work or whatever, uh, Jesus knew what Philip was going to do. Right. He knew he knew the result before he gave him the test. So then you you start to ask this question. If Jesus knows how Philip's going to react, why does he even ask? Right. Why does he even ask Philip if, if he knows what he's going to do? And you know why I think he does that. He asks not so Jesus can learn what Philip's going to do. It's so Philip can learn what Philip's going to do, right? It, it is for us when he does that to figure out how we will react in these situations. So in those times when our faith is tested, uh, it is not so God figures out what we're made of. It's we figure it out. And whether we figure out where we're falling short or whether we figure out what we need to strengthen and continue, that's why we get tested as well. But you see Philip's answer in verse seven. He answered him, 200 pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. He's saying 200 pennyworth is not enough money. That's not enough money to go uh, and feed this huge crowd. They wouldn't even get a little bit, every one of them, if you had that much to spend. But then it makes you ask this question, where did they get 200 pennyworth from? Where did, they, did they just come up with that number? 
I don't think so, because if he was coming up with a number to feed everybody, Philip probably would have said it would have taken 2,000 penny worth or 10,000 penny worth to feed everybody. He doesn't say that. He says now with 200, we can only get a little bit and it wouldn't even cover everybody. So then it makes you wonder, where did he get that number from? You know what? It's not in the passage, but I think I know what happened. And you got to stick with me for a second. Jesus is asking Philip where to buy food, right? That's what he asked. Philip then, who's he turned to? Judas, that's holding the bag, right? He's got the treasury. He's got the money uh, that they use. And he's asking how much is in that bag? How much do we have to spend? And then Judas answers and says, well, we've got about 200 penny worth in here. And then Philip turns to Jesus and says, what? 200 penny worth is not sufficient. And you're thinking, well, Mike, that sounds a little crazy. But doesn't it make sense as you start to look at it? Where did he just throw that number? Maybe he threw the number out. Maybe I'm totally wrong. But you know what? It seems likely to me because he's saying this is how much we have to spend. And if we spend this, it's only going to get us a little bit of food. And that's not enough. You know who I look in the Bible I want to be a Barnabas. You've probably heard me say this before. Uh, when I really uh, dug into his life uh, many years ago, I saw that he was a teacher. He was an encourager. He gave of himself. He tried to uplift everyone. And that's who I want to identify yeah. with. But honestly, if I'm honest and truthful with myself, I identify with Philip. Okay, you know why? Because as soon as Philip sees the problem, right? Jesus tells him, how are we going to buy food for all these people? Philip gets out the calculator uh, and he starts, he figures out what's in the bank. Uh, and he says, you know what? Uh, I, I, I know how much uh, food costs. And if I uh, divide it and multiply it and everything else and try to figure it out, there's not enough there. And see, that's what I Unfortunately, I identify with that, right? I'll get the spreadsheet out. I'll get the calculator out. I'll figure out exactly how much it would take to do that, right? And that's the problem because if there was enough in the bag, right? If they had the 10,000 or whatever it would have taken, then all they would have had to do is take the money out of the bag, take it to the places to buy food, bought the food, bring it back and fed everybody. And guess what? That would take zero faith. Wouldn't take any faith at all. Any more faith than you write a check and you give it to somebody and they give you what you need. And you're thinking, well, Mike, I don't understand how a check works. Well, I can tell you how it works. They take the money from one account and put it into another account, right? And that's not faith either. That's not. But you know what? When you think about that, like I said, I identify with that with more. You know, because he's being tested and he says, buy, Jesus says, buy. And he says, well, what we have is not enough. Now, this isn't in John's account, but Matthew, Mark and Luke all say the next thing happened. The disciples had a solution for not enough money. I'm going to read it. 
Matthew 14, 15. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals or food. Mark 6, 35 and 36. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place. And now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country roundabout and into the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. Luke 9, 12. And when the day began to wear away. Then came the twelve unto him. Send the multitude away that they may go into the towns and country round about and lodge and get victuals for we are here in a desert place. You know what the disciples solution of the food problem was? It was to send them and go get their own food. Right? You go buy it themselves. Remember Jesus's question, the test that he was trying to prove Philip to test him. Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And they turned it around and said, hey, we're going to have to send them on their way and do their own thing. And that's the thing. That's the first instinct, right? When we have a problem, that's what comes natural, at least to me is the logic starts to kick in, the reasoning starts to kick in, the calculator comes out, you figure out how much it costs, you realize you don't have enough, and then since we can't solve the hunger problem of the crowd, we're going to send them away empty and have them uh, feed themselves, right? They solve their own problem, right? That's what the disciples are saying. You, You send them away and they fix the problem. And this was a proving or a testing to Philip. Would he put his faith in what Jesus could do or not? And you think about it. They had already seen or heard about Jesus turning the water into wine at the wedding of Canaan of Galilee. They watched him heal the lepers. They watched him uh, uh, give, uh, allow the paralyzed, the paralytics to, to walk and give sight to the blind and heal all types of diseases. They watched him cast out unclean spirit. They saw him raise the widow of Nain's daughter and Jairus' daughter from the dead. And he, Philip could have taken any of those miracles and said, surely, Jesus, if you're powerful enough to raise the dead, you could feed this crowd. They could have done that. But then on the other hand, those instances are different. They didn't have a feeding miracle to to call on. But what Philip could have done that is really close is he could have said, you know what, Jesus, I heard from Peter one day where you got in his boat and you told him in Luke 5, 4 to launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Peter said, but Lord, we fished all night, but nevertheless, at thy word, you know, we're going to do what you said, uh, paraphrasing right there. And as soon as they put the nets down and they pulled them up, they were full. It was a drought, a draught of fishes. They, they, they had a haul of fish that the boat could just barely hold and they're reeling it in and what Philip could have said is there wasn't a a feeding miracle that he could call on to but he could have said this to Jesus you know what we're in Bethsaida it's a fishing town this people they need food it's a great crowd we don't have enough money let's go down and get a boat Jesus you come with us we'll borrow a boat Uh, and you tell us where to cast the net Uh, we'll put the net down we'll reel it in you'll give us the miracle, the increase of fish, we'll bring the fish back, we'll cook it, and we'll give everybody dinner, right? He could have said that because he knew Jesus could do that, right? But instead, what's he saying? That 200 penny worth in the bag is not enough. It's not enough. Let's send them away that they can get their own 
He could have applied what Jesus has done to this situation, but he didn't. Then the question is, do we? How often do we? He said, we can't afford to feed him, so we need to send him away. You know what? This is the sad thing. Whenever these are disciples of Jesus Christ, that's what we are too. We're followers of Jesus Christ. We're trying to follow him. What did dad say? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's who we're heading towards, right? That's who we're following after. And and, uh, uh, when we don't operate by faith, what happens? Everyone goes away empty-handed, right? That's what happened. That's what they wanted to happen. They, they, you send them away, and they'll go get their own stuff. Now look at our lives. Doesn't that happen a lot? We say, I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough whatever. And then we, we say, you know what? I'm just not going to do it. We'll send it away. Nobody gets anything. The disciples didn't get anything. The people didn't get anything. They were just turned away. And then we say, well, we know the story's different, right? We know more of the story. Let's get to verse 9. Andrew tells of a boy's uh, uh, food that he's got there. There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. See, and you're thinking, well, here's Andrew. He knows. He knows the, the boy's got this food, and he, and he knows what Jesus can do with it. No. The end of the verse but what are they among so many? You know what he's doing? He's taking to Jesus, but what are they to so many? He's saying, Jesus, not only do we not have enough money, we don't have enough food. I can't use, we can't use this to feed the 5,000. There's no faith there either. So while Philip's counting the pennies, Andrew's counting the bread and fish. And it was Jesus is the one that took it and multiplied it and fed everybody. He was the one that taught the disciples when all the disciples were like, this is impossible, right? There was no faith of the disciples that day at all. It was Jesus. And then, of course, we know the common, when you hear it preached and taught, the common thing is, you know, if you put what what you have, what little you have in Jesus' hands, he can multiply it and give you what you need. And that is true. And I tell you so many times, we're not passing the test. But what about the crowd? Do you realize they were tested too? Do you realize they got to see this too? And they got to see the power of Jesus Christ. And, and while they maybe they didn't hear what was going on with the 200 penny worth and everything else, they got to see everything get multiplied and it end up with more than what they started with. Remember John uh, 6 verse 2, I didn't read this, but it says, uh, And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles that he did on them that were diseased. That's why the crowd, again, was following Jesus, Jesus because of all the healing miracles that they had seen. And now they saw a new miracle that day. The crowd saw a new miracle. They they hadn't seen him multiply food like this and feed all of them. Uh, And it wasn't just a little bit of food, but verse 12, when they were filled, right? Philip was saying the 200 penny worth would barely get everyone a little bit. uh, But Jesus used the, uh, the loaves and fish and filled everyone up and then said, gather the fragments. So nothing's lost. So everyone ate until they were completely full. There's more left over. 
You know, I heard a preacher say this, and I, I, I was like, this is good. I like it, I'm, so I'm going to steal it and say it. Uh, but he said, if you compare this time to the other feeding, he fed the 5,000 5, with five loaves and two small fish. He fed the 4,000 with seven loaves and a few little fishes. And you know what that preacher said? Jesus can do more with less. I was like, ooh, I like that. Amen. That's good. But what was the reaction of the crowd? And this we only get in John. And it's the last two verses, John 14 and 15. Then those men which had seen the miracle that Jesus did, the feeding, said that this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again unto a mountain himself alone. So remember, the crowd followed him initially because of all the healings that he did. And they had just listened to Jesus teach for hours on the kingdom of God, right? Then he feeds them because it's getting late. And after all that teaching and all that truth, you know what got them excited? One free meal. One meal. I said, sometimes we look at ourselves as we call ourselves free meal Baptists, but I mean, one free meal got them so excited. They were full and now they want to make him an earthly king. That's what Jesus said. He said he perceived it. He knew he could read their minds, their intentions. He knew that even if he objected, even if Jesus said, no, uh, it's not my father's will to, to be an earthly king, they would have taken him by force. That's what he said. They would have taken him by force and made him a king. They would have probably dragged him all the way to Jerusalem and set him there and had a crown put on him, blew the trumpets and said, here's our new king. Forget Rome. Right? That's what they wanted all along. They would have done that. Why? Just because of one meal. But I think I know part of what was going on in their minds. They're thinking this. Can you imagine? And this fits in really well as prices of everything's going up. Can you imagine if we got a free meal every day from Jesus? Can you imagine we made him a king? We made him a ruler. And not only would he feed the 5,000, we'd give him some, a little bit of food and he, we could have a feast every single day. Wouldn't that be amazing? We'd save so much money. We'd have our bellies full. Uh, it probably tasted good. They loved it, everything else. Plus, we would have a whole bunch extra and then we could take it home. Maybe we eat lunch with him. We could have dinner or leftovers later on. We could all take baskets home, right? They're probably thinking of this. Look at how great this is. We save all this money let's make him a king and you think about it maybe you think I'm crazy but Jesus gave them what we would call today a handout and they wanted him to be a king so he could feed him every day you don't think this works our politicians do the same thing right but they can't take money and multiply it right they haven't figured that out they divide it is what they do. What they do is they, they don't even realize it. Uh, uh, just like I, I gave you the, uh, the secret of how a check works in a bank where they take money out of one place and put it in another. I'll give you the secret of all of politics really quick. What they do is they secretly take money from you. They don't, you don't realize they're reaching in and taking it, but every year they take it out through your paycheck and everywhere else. Uh, they take that money out and then they turn around and they promise to give you a little bit of it back. Right? right? 
They're about ready to start doing it again. I know they are. I can just feel up my spirit. You know, <laughs> those people that predict everything. We've gone a while without a monthly handout for a while, and I feel like it's coming probably just before election time, just pure coincidence. Uh, but they will start saying, you know what? We've got to give them money again. Why? Because they want to stay in office. Because they can't multiply the bread and the fish. But what they can do is they can reach in your pocket, turn around and give you a little bit back, and, and everyone thinks they're a hero. It works today. They wanted to make him a king. And they were serious about it. Can you imagine if a politician could give you free things without taking money from you? Oh my gosh. We'd make them a king too. We would. We would. So the people failed the test, didn't they? They didn't, they didn't want Jesus as the son of God. They wanted Jesus as the free lunch. He perceived their intentions. Why? Because Jesus wasn't interested in worldly fame. He had a job to do, right? He had the father's will to do. He was going to completely follow the father's will. And he was not going to give in to temptation. He wasn't going to give in to the lust of the flesh or this lust for power and greed and everything else that our world has today, like so many have done. He saw their intentions. He read their minds. And what did he do? He left the crowd so he could be alone on the mountain. That's what Matthew and Mark says. Or I'm sorry. Uh, that's what it says. Matthew and Mark says he did that. He got alone so that he could pray. So this is, this is what we see. Philip failed the test. The crowd failed the test. But Jesus showed us what he wanted them to do all along, right? Jesus showed them they needed to operate by faith. Give it to me. Let me multiply it. I'll take care of it. And I'll solve the problem. And you will get more than you started with. Isn't that the Lord? That's faith. That's operating by faith right there. And then... What else do you need to do when you're faced with an impossible situation or you're faced with temptation or anything else? You need to pray. So he's saying, I want you to respond in faith and I want you to respond by prayer. That's what Jesus did. Now, now we get to the, the hard part, how we apply this to our life. How often do we get presented with a problem in our life that's really a test of faith, right? See, Jesus came to Philip and asked him the question. So Philip could have known, he should have known that this is a test right here. He, if he knew who Jesus was and he knew Jesus could, he knew Jesus could read minds and he knew, uh, he knew their thoughts. So Philip should have known if he's asking me this question, he's testing me, but he didn't. But then I'm wondering, we're standing here. And we, we don't have Jesus literally standing here asking the question, but it made me wonder when we are faced with a situation that seems impossible, because that's what they were, right? There's only 200 penny worth. It's not enough to feed everybody. This boy has the five loaves and two fish. That's not enough to feed everybody. This is impossible. Let's just send them away. Let them fend for themselves. Let them buy for themselves. That's an impossible situation. Jesus said, no, not if you respond by prayer and faith. It's not. So then it made me wonder. How many times do we think something's impossible, right? How many times do we say there's nothing I can do? I don't have enough. 
I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough talent. Uh, I don't, you know, the Lord didn't make me the right way or whatever the excuse we come up with. This, this can't happen. There's not enough of us. The church isn't big enough. We're not on a main route. We're not in a town. You know, whatever it is, whether it's our uh, impossibility or the church's impossibility or anything else, how many times are we faced with that and we say that there's nothing that we can do and it's impossible and, and it's just futile. There's no sense trying to do anything. See, that would be true if Jesus didn't have every resource, right? If Jesus couldn't supply our need according to his riches and glory. See, but it is true. He does have every resource. So that excuse is gone. And, and here's the other thing. It would also be impossible if Jesus wasn't waiting for our prayer too waiting to intercede, waiting to supply it. Sometimes he's got everything ready. He's got the solution. He's just waiting for us to pray to him and to trust him. He's the one. He's waiting. And I was thinking about, in case you didn't know, tomorrow, or no, Friday starts the second half of the year. We're halfway through the year. And I think that there's a lot of situations that I know in my life and probably your lives and in our church that we've looked at, we've said, you know what? We just can't do that. And in all reality, it was Jesus trying to prove us. He knew what we would do. He's trying to us to see us what for us to see what we would do. And I think too many times we said, send them away, right? Send them away. We can't. We just can't do it. We can't feed them. For what Jesus wanted us to do is to turn to him and said, hey, you turned the water into wine, yeah. right? You've brought in the hall of fishes before. You've raised the dead before. You've healed sicknesses and cancer yeah. before, right? You've turned my life around. That was headed for hell. And, and I would have, uh, some of us, some of you, I've heard your testimonies that you wouldn't be alive today. And it's not, you're not just being, uh, uh, you know, just trying to make it dramatic. You would not, the life you lived, you wouldn't be alive today. But Jesus turned everything around. That's a miracle today. So that's what we need to do. We need to take what he has done, uh, both in our life and take what he's done in God's word. And what he wants us to do is to apply it to that situation that seems impossible and say, you know what, Jesus, if you did it then, you can do it now. And here's the thing. When it seems like we don't have enough faith, guess what? We can ask him for more faith. And when it seems, and when we're getting frustrated, and we're about ready to send the crowd away, you know what he says? Steal away, get by yourself, and pray. And it'll help every time. And I tell you what, I'm preaching this to myself as well. I think for the second half of the year, I'm tired of sending people away, right? Spiritually, I'm tired of sending the problem away instead of saying, Jesus, what are we going to do? Amen. And by what are we going to do? What are you going to do? But the great part about this miracle is Jesus didn't hand the food directly to the people. That's right. He took it, blessed it, multiplied it, gave it to the disciples, and they gave it to the people. Yes. They got to be right in the middle of that miracle. Yes. That's where I want to be this year. Yeah. Amen? It's going to take faith and prayer. Let's everybody stand.